From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hi there to each of you tuning us in on one of our affiliate stations across North America, and hey you, streaming us on the YouTube channel, Strange Planet. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Charlie Robinson, the co-author of Controlled Demolition of the American Empire, stays with us this hour. Now, before we get back to Charlie, just a reminder that if you'd like to support the work we do here at Strange Planet and The Conspiracy Show, you might consider becoming an official donor. Just go to patreon.com slash strangeplanet, patreon.com slash strangeplanet. Any monthly amount is greatly appreciated, but there are several donor tiers to choose from, patreon.com slash strangeplanet. Also, please take a moment and go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, and that's your portal to all of my various projects, this radio show, of course, The Conspiracy Show, my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, which drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, the YouTube channel, my Strange Planet online store, the Strange Planet full script dispensary. There's even an events and appearances page. While you're there, you can also subscribe to my free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum. It's all right there at strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. Now back to my conversation with Charlie Robinson, co-author of Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. So, Charlie, let me get your thoughts on the uh, the recent U.S. election. As this interview is airing, I suspect we're probably looking at uh, perhaps weeks of uh, court challenges. Uh, there are demands right now for uh, recounts in certain states and so forth. But your thoughts? Well, not surprising, of course. It seemed that they were pre-programming us for this over the last couple of weeks. The discussion was that, well, and you know, we're probably not going to get this settled. I'll tell you what, I was glad that I didn't see the violence that they projected. That's a good thing. Of course, I think that was slated to come should there be a, a decisive winner one way or the other. But where you keep it sort of in limbo, hey, maybe we could just do this without a president. How about that? How about that? Maybe, maybe come January 1st, they just inaugurate nobody. I'm not a fan of the current situation that we have. We're in this beautiful, amazing country. We have 300 plus million people here. And the best that we can do is come up with these two. I mean, I'm not a fan of either one of these, either sides, the red team or the blue team. I I don't, I'm not on either one of their teams. And some might say, well, pick a side. Well, my side is I'm objective. I'm, I'm sitting in the stands throwing rocks at both sides because I'm not a fan of this process. But I don't know that this was going to ever play out any way other than with just a disputed election, you know, with people suing and vote counts and everything. This seemed like an inevitability. But I remember back in 2000 with that election, that seemed like a surprise to me. It never crossed my mind that there wouldn't be a president announced that night. And now it seems that we've all sort of come to expect it. Well, with this current election, it's not going to get settled. Let's not plan for it. 
don't throw the big victory party. Don't plan the victory party that night. So it's an interesting way. Is this going to be the way it always is? You know, I mean, are we are we going to have to dip our thumbs in blue ink? You know, the way they do it in Yemen or Afghanistan when they have an election there. I mean, maybe going low tech is the way to do it these days. So we'll see. I I, I expect there to be accusations of fraud on both sides. And I think there probably will be fraud on both sides. I mean, it's important to a lot of people who becomes the president. So important, in fact, that they're willing to overlook certain laws. And then again, let's not forget that that we are entrusting some of the worst people in the world to be in charge of the government. So is it any surprise that we get the possibility of some sort of election interference or manipulation? I would say that that would be a given with the current group of people in charge. So I'm cautiously optimistic that things will get sorted out. But sort of, what does that even mean when it gets sorted out? All right, fine, we picked the president of the United States. This person is still not in charge of the country in the sense that most people think. I mean, there's there are layers above the president. So this is a figurehead. It's part of our culture. It's part of our society and, our, and part of our government. This is how we've, we've laid it out. But I think it's important for people to understand that there is a government beyond our the existing government. There is a government in the shadows. There are people that have big plans for this country and they don't care who wins. You know, Goldman Sachs, you know, they'd say, well, Goldman Sachs is candidate one. He, they gave money to this candidate and they won. They give money to both candidates. Why would you, you know, if, if the only goal is to be on the winning side and you've got all the money in the world, you finance both parties. Well, oh, Goldman Sachs is the party of the Republicans that, you know, who gave more money to Obama than anybody? Goldman Sachs. So they play both sides of this. If you're really interested in having influence in Washington, D.C., you wouldn't leave it to chance. You wouldn't leave it to betting on one side versus the other. You fund both sides. That way you're guaranteed that you win. I would make the argument that in large measure, the election of Donald Trump in 2016 was an appeal or an attempt to reestablish the dominance of the nation state over the forces of globalism. Trump is all about, you know, make America great again, but America first. This idea of America first didn't start with Trump. It does speak to isolationism, that anti-internationalism. And when you look at the forces that are opposing Trump every day, hammering him 24 hours a day, seven days a week with negative news stories, we have big tech in, in Silicon Valley opposing Trump. We have Wall Street opposing Trump. We have the mainstream media opposing Trump. Don't you see him as flawed as he is and all his, you know, his, his tweets aside and his personality aside, when you look at the policies, build a wall, bring industry home, disentanglement, uh, foreign disentanglement, getting us out of these constant never-ending wars. Don't you see Trump at least last best hope to preserve the nation state and to resist these forces of empire? I found myself agreeing with those concepts for sure. Absolutely. And there's things about Trump that I really like. Look, there's things about him I, I don't like either. I, I was never a fan of his pre-politics, you know, just the, the personality type where everything's great. I'm the best. This is the best. My hotels are the best. You know, I could do without all that. But it didn't really bother me all that much. I just – that's not somebody that I would, would want to hang out with. But in terms of his direction, the America first concept – very much in favor of that. And I think that resonated with a lot of people because the people that live in the United States have eyeballs and they see a ton of inefficiencies and a whole lot of problems in this country. And before we are in such a huge hurry to take 
desperately needed funds and give them to other countries for foreign aid or use them for our military or spend all of this money to build Afghani schools and things like that. You know, a case, a very strong case can be made for, hey, this is our money. We need this here. It's not like we have all of our problems buttoned up here and now we can go focus on the rest of the world. Like there is a legitimate need for this, for us to be America first. Now, get our problems sorted out, fix us up. And then if we choose to conquer the world or export our version of, of America onto the world, then let's do that. But but right now, all we're doing is we're saying we're yelling at the at, at the world, hey, look at how great we are here in America. And then we look at America and our homeless population has exploded. Our schools have never been worse. Um, our medical system, our, our the United States healthcare system is the third leading cause of death for Americans. Our infrastructure is a disaster. I mean, we've got a lot of problems here at home. So it's self-preservation in a sense. It's looking at the problems that we have in America and the world and saying, okay, there's only so much we can do. There's only so much money to go around. Let's prioritize. And I think a lot of people liked the way Trump talked about how he would prioritize the things that he would do, making America great again, whatever that means. I know that triggers a bunch of people on the left, but think about just the words, making America great again. That is a great, that is a, a concept that I would think most Americans could get on board with. Take Trump out of the equation. Just the idea of trying to focus on America. Now, some people say, well, that makes you isolationist. Fine. Call us what you will. But we have problems here at home that need to get sorted out before we start worrying about other people's. I mean, we cannot be the world's policemen. First of all, they didn't ask us to be. But second of all, we have problems here at home <laughs> that are that need to be addressed first and foremost. And then maybe we move on to these external fantasies that we have or, or, or these desires that we have about spreading democracy or exporting our culture and things like that. That's great. But let's make sure we take care of the pressing issues first, because then we're in a much better situation uh, moving forward. And of course, then we're also not hypocritical when we go out and start talking about how great America is, because some, a lot of people on the outside look at America and they see us for what we really are. We, we're blinded. We have myopia here in the, inside the United States. We think that you know, if it's not happening here, it's not happening. And that's a very you – know, it's not maybe the best mentality. We've got some issues that need to get sorted out here first, and I would prefer that we focus there. Not to say that we ignore the rest of the world, of course, but just the priority. So the globalist mentality of let's let's just focus on conquering the world, well, that's what you would do if you had no intention of helping America. If your plan was to was to rule the world and enslave everybody – your priority would not be to fix America because you need America destroyed. So there's two different, very different ways of looking at, at, at how we should be running our country or our society. And I am, I lean more towards the side of let's fix, you know, let's focus on our own problems. Let's fix our own house before we start criticizing other people. But that is not the way that a lot of the globalists think. They they see they see uh, the rest of the world as the priority, and of course, I disagree with that. How is mass migration, immigration policy, being used to dismantle the American empire? Because we're in a like in a we just had an election. We're in the middle of an election. I guess it's who knows how long that'll go on. 
it's a really good time to take a look at something like that. We see how the policies of allowing mass migrations into some of the southern border states, California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, we see that as like the Democrats have always said, let's allow all these people in. Let's put on our we're compassionate hat and say, we're so compassionate. Let's let everybody in. Let's give them all the, everything that they want. Hey, but when it comes to election time, just remember who gave you all these things, you know, wink, wink, and we'll get it to swing that way. Boy, that's a dangerous way to pander for votes. In my opinion, I think that it has been politicized for sure. Look, I'm all in favor of immigration. I mean, that how did America become America through immigration? But there has to be a line, you know, there, there has to be a line in the sand. There also has to be a line that you get in in order to make the process work. You can't just allow everybody to come in. When you do that, it has repercussions that are hard to quantify, like what it does to the shape of your society. As an example, we've seen this in Europe lately, the bombing of Libya and then the migrant crisis of, of Libyans and North Africans leaving and flooding into Europe. And what did that do? Well, it messed up the social cohesion of some of those countries. Germany had gigantic problems with it. The UK has problems with it. They're allowing people in. So the, the government is saying, come on in. Let's be nice and compassionate. How dare you question us? We're trying to save these people. And you've got the other people saying, no offense to those people, but we're just struggling ourselves here. Like we don't need a new influx of people that aren't willing to assimilate or don't have our shared values or whatever, you know, whatever the perceived problems are with this incoming horde of people, I can see it from both ways. But from the globalist perspective, they see it as a great way to dilute the society. You take a strong nationalistic country like Germany and you infuse a very serious population of migrant Muslims that are in a caravan, rightfully so, by the way, leaving a destroyed country and looking for safety. And you corral them all into your country and then problems spring up and it's like, oh, we couldn't have envisioned this. Well, of course you could envision this. What did you think was going to happen? And some of that is deliberate, I would suggest. But guys like Soros and have been very instrumental in funding migrant caravans because it works as a destabilization tactic as well. So it's a tough topic because – if you're living in Libya or you're living in Guatemala and there's death squads roaming, you know, how can you blame anybody for wanting to get out of that situation? But then you go back and you look, well, what's causing that situation? And most of the time it's us <laughs> it's or it's our policies or, or a combination of you know the United States with NATO conducting these bombing missions that destroy a country like Libya and then millions of people leave there. We can't act surprised about that. And then we blame them for going to some other country and destabilizing that country. It's like, well, let's get to the core of this. They wouldn't have left. They weren't leaving Libya before we started bombing them. So it's not accidental and, and it creates this method where you destabilize a strong country by injecting people that aren't from there that have told you in advance, we don't plan to assimilate. We're not looking to become Germans. We're looking to remain ourselves, but just live in a foreign country. And then we act surprised when it all goes wrong. Well, of course it's going to go wrong. And it was by design. The idea of limiting immigration and its effect on, on wages, for example, there was a time when that was, you know, Bernie Sanders even, not this time around, but previously talked about the need to restrict immigration because the impact on wages is, is significant. And the groups 
that are hurt most by it they are the, the lower income, people that are trying to earn minimum wage. I'm talking about illegal immigration here, by the way. Right. No, I know what you're talking about. And the group that was perhaps most in favor of illegal immigration for that same purpose because it drove wages down was the Chamber of Commerce and the owners of corporations. They were delighted to pay less wages. So it's interesting how that's flipped from a democratic platform to restrict immigration and illegal immigration in particular. And it has now been one that's been in, in embraced by, I won't even call it the Republicans. I think it's no longer the Republican Party. It's the Trump Party. Yeah. Well, they've got if they want to manufacture cheaper, they've already got the option to do that in foreign countries where they can outsource everything to China or India or Pakistan or wherever. So the need of these low income wage earners is almost unnecessary. So they want to keep them out. So it's it just depends on, on which lens you're looking through. If you're a Democrat and you're trying to get votes in a way that benefits you, you could open up the borders and say, come on in. We're the people that let you in. We're going to give you everything you want. Just you have to vote our way. That's policy. And I can understand why they would do that. I'm not saying I approve of it, but I know I know why. It makes sense to me why they're doing that. And it also kind of I'm also for being compassionate, too. There are a lot of people that are trying to escape unspeakable horrors in their home country. It's a tough debate. And and of course, that's why it's been going on for a long, long time, because it's not black or white. I mean, you can see it from a, a couple different angles here. So I have I have a ton of compassion for the people that are escaping their war-torn countries or horrible governments and things like that. But they might be out of the frying pan and into the fryer by coming to the United States because we're we're experiencing some of the problems that they left their country for. Maybe not the outright bombing necessarily, but I think that those people will find that America might be better than where they are, but we still have quite a few problems that we're still working on trying to solve. Controlled demolition of the American empire from the founding of the Federal Reserve to 9-11 to the coronavirus panic. Uh, very quickly, Charlie, how do we get a copy? Amazon. Amazon has the paperback and the Kindle. Uh, we've discounted it significantly early on. We want people to – we don't want the, the the money part to be a factor. We want people to read this book. It is – last time I checked it is number 55 in on Amazon out of 1.8 million books. So we are getting the word out there. It is um, – we're just we're very pleased. We're humbled by it that the fact that people are embracing it. We f- we feel that it's it's an important conversation to have. And there's a lot of people that that know these topics already. So I encourage them. Listen, this is the book that you buy and send to the people in your life that don't know the things that you know that you're trying to get through to. This is going to explain it. We t- we tackle a variety of topics here. So there's there's bound to be a component of this book that will appeal to somebody in your life. All right, we'll take a quick time out, come back and uh, discuss further. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. So, Charlie, we have to talk about the coronavirus pandemic. How does that fit into the controlled demolition of the American empire? Wow. It's just, well, it takes a couple of agendas. You know, it, it incorporates big pharma into the government. It's a blending. We're getting into the, you know, people are saying, well, oh, fascism, fascism. I'd say, I would suggest that what we're experiencing is more like corporatism, where it's a blending of the American government with the 
large corporations to benefit the corporations more so than the state. So we've got big pharma loves situations like this. They love to uh, keep everybody scared and fearful and dependent on them for information and for products that will save their life potentially or, or you know perceived that way at least. So it's done a number of things. So the corona situation came out and we in- immediately started to see uh, the demonization of China, which was right on schedule. We saw the media kick into overdrive with trust the experts, trust the science, how dare you be anti-science. So the demonization of anybody that got off the reservation and started asking questions about this. We see that Wall Street, you know, the Federal Reserve got involved and started monetizing debt at a record that is unprecedented. And we saw the bailouts where they were giving trillions of dollars to large corporations and and Wall Street. Here we go again with that. You know, so it's another one of these invisible enemies like terrorism, which is everywhere, but you can't see it. And it's killing everybody, but you don't know those people. And there's going to be dead bodies around every corner, except there aren't. You know, so it's the new fear. And I'm not trying to say it doesn't exist or anything like that. I'm just saying that the way that the American media portrays certain things, you would be led to believe that Well, over the last 20 years, you would be led to believe that there are terrorists waiting for you at the grocery store and that your life is in imminent danger. You constantly need to worry about them. You turn on the nightly news. It's disproportionately about terror, terror, terrorism. You find the the George W. Bush clips where they've strung together the compilation of him saying terrorist, terrorist, terrorist. You know, it goes on and on and on. But then the statistics show that you're seven times more likely to die by having a vending machine fall on you than you are to die by a terrorist inside the United States. And so you wait a second, what's going on with the amount of coverage, the amount of money that we allocate towards this? This doesn't seem to be proportionate to the amount of fear that we're we're seeing on the media does not seem to be proportionate with the actual amount of fear. So then we get into the corona situation and you start to see nonstop coverage and the death rates and deaths, deaths, deaths. And then that sort of stopped. And then it became, well, the death rate, you know, there weren't as many deaths as we thought there were going to be. Luckily, thankfully, you know, I'm not saying I wanted to see that, but they told us we were going to see it and we didn't. And then, you know, halfway through the summer, Cases were down, people were sort of going back to normal, and then the mask mandate came out. And we were like, hmm, that seems like a way to create a visual representation of something that is invisible. You don't, now when I go to the grocery store, everybody has a mask on, so it's impossible for me to not think that there's something going on. Whereas middle of the summer, I would go in the grocery store and nobody had a mask on. So it's conditioning and we're watching this. So it's, it's happening. There's a variety of levels going on here. You've, you're watching the destruction of public health. We're watching the destruction of, of any sort of trust people had left in the mainstream media. We've watched the Federal Reserve and, and in conjunction with the government print up trillions of dollars and just give it away to everybody except the people that needed it most. And we've instilled fear in everybody. Fear is their biggest ally, those that are the controllers, they love fear. It works very well, doesn't cost them a lot, you know, and they can use the mainstream media as the megaphone to just constantly keep everybody in a a state of fear. And then in conjunction with the mainstream media, which finances, um, uh, big pharma finances the mainstream media, their ads, but you know, 60% of their revenue, at least in the United States where big pharma is allowed to advertise on TV 
they get so much of their revenue from these pharmaceutical industries that 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 people maybe are sitting around saying, well, if listen, if this was if this wasn't such a big deal, clearly my nightly news would tell me that it wasn't such a big deal. And it's like, well, hang on a second. They're heavily incentivized financially to keep reporting on this. They they first of all, it's good for ratings. And second of all, all of their partners want this to happen. They want this to be a big, big event. So it's um, it's being used you know, it's the Rahm Emanuel, never let a good crisis go to waste sort of mentality where any sort of cockamamie idea that these globalist maniacs had that knew would never be approved or embraced by the public. Now, all of a sudden they think, well, how can we slap a Corona uh, slant to this and then, you know, put this out to the public and maybe we'll, we'll be able to get them to go along with our crazy ideas. Um, it's just, it's just given a license for every maniac in Washington, DC to try and, uh, use this as the justification to roll out some new program that they always wanted right. to roll the out. Great that they never had the great yeah, reset, they never had the option, the great reset. Exactly. I believe that I, again, I think the virus is real. I think it's been greatly exaggerated that the risk and, I think it is being used as cover at the same time. It can be real, but also be used as cover for many of these different agendas, uh, the Great Reset, whether that's an economic reset, social reset, cultural reset. So where are they heading with this? Uh, what is the end game with specifically with coronavirus? What do you see in uh, quarantine camps? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, 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 all of it. Yeah. The, to, speaking of the Great Reset, we have the World Economic Forum who is pushing the Great Reset. They have uh, laid out their their concept of the fourth industrial revolution. And part of that is has Corona, COVID-19 in it as part of their their leap forward talking about uh digital and uh, biological enhancements to people they're talking about um you know 5g and artificial intelligence and cashless societies and quantum computing and 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 vaccine programs and all of these things it, it, tracking um tracking through vaccine programs as well contract tracing it's a it's a globalist maniacs uh dream this and 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 yet when you see the the marketing for the Great Reset, um, it sounds it sounds kind of good on the surface because I think who amongst us would deny that we need a <laughs> we do need a reset. I mean, the current world that we're living in has some has some rather large problems that need fixing, and 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 it all sounds good. But but this is just a sales pitch, of course. It's, it's sell the benefits, benefits, benefits. And they never tell you what the price is. And the price is your freedom, your medical freedom, your sovereignty, your soul even. And uh, there's a big price to pay. But that, that bill, the bill for that comes at the end. Would you take a vaccine? No. What do you do, no if, it's, what do, you do if it's mandatory? There are, there, there are talks about uh, vaccine passports. If you don't take yeah. the vaccine and you don't have it stamped in your passport, you don't get to get on a plane. You don't get to go uh, shopping at... Uh, uh, wherever, Walmart, what do you do then? I don't know. I don't know. And I think about that a lot because that had always been a theoretical idea. You know, what if, 
But now we're starting to see it. We're starting to see the we're, – we're seeing the predictive programming. We're seeing them run – you know, leak little ideas out there and, and get people primed for it. They're talking about the – you know, we have the social credit system in China, which is set up in, in a similar way. Now, I look at that and, and I'm horrified by it. But the globalist technocrats look at China and they go, I like what you're doing there. Let's export that to, to us. And part of that is, is – using a person's actions against them you know as in china the social credit system it's like if you're you know if you're inner if your your score is low uh and and i call if my score is low in china and i call my friend and have a conversation on the phone their score goes down because they're associating with me so it's it's a it's a devious way of uh of using your friends and family and society to shame you and control your behavior by uh, making it difficult for you to join the the rest of the of society. I, by- I agree. I think China is the blueprint that they have in mind for the rest of us. In fact, our prime minister, Justin Trudeau, was once asked what he admired most about China. And he said, and I quote, their basic dictatorship. That's our fearless leader. Back with wow. uh, more of my conversation with Charlie Robinson. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Charlie, we were talking about coronavirus. Do you see us getting back to the old normal? I'm I'm so sick of hearing about the new normal. Welcome to the new normal. I don't want the new normal. I, I reject the new normal. I want the old normal. Do we ever get back there? Well, I hope so, but it's going to require us to... Uh, get very honest about our relationship with the mainstream media and with the pharmaceutical industry as well, because what we have done is we have allowed we we have outsourced our thinking, our critical thinking to the media, and with the understanding or the assumption that they're going to tell us the most important things. They're going to be honest with us. They're going to prioritize um, what's important, and they're going to give it to us straight. Of course, we know that's not happening, but the vast majority of people still believe that that is that that, that is reality, that the mainstream media is their friend, that if, you know, Anderson Cooper is going to tell you about what's going on and if there's some, you know, some issue with this, like maybe the vaccine isn't totally safe. Well, clearly Anderson Cooper would have talked about that on, on the, on the news, right? I mean, if he didn't talk about it, then it must not be happening. That would be a major story, but well, that's the assumption that a lot of people make. And of course that's not true at all because the media and big pharma are connected. I, I don't know if we're going to be able to go back to the way it used to be. I feel that we could, but that would require everyone to acknowledge and wake up to the fact that we're being lied to on a massive scale by people that don't have a problem lying to us, that it does not bother them one bit. When you've got guys like Bill Gates, you know, Bill Gates has been in the news lately for all the wrong reasons, which I'm I'm pleased about because I've been writing about this guy for a while. He's a dangerous individual, but the casual observer has just been you know, this has been glossed over because, oh, he runs the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and they're charitable and they're giving millions, billions of dollars to to, to help people in their, their vaccine programs. And they talk about how, how all of this is just working so well. Well, you need to dig into who, who that guy really is. And 
And until the general public is willing to actually do some of the research or, or, or get involved and actually look at who these people that magically appear on the scene as saviors, Fauci and Gates and Burks and these people, it, Ferguson in the UK, until we start doing some background checks on these people to see who they are, where they came from and what they want, we're going to be led down the wrong path. So it's 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 as much as I have a problem with the current situation that's being thrust upon us by the government in conjunction with the media and big pharma, I have just as big of a problem with the American public being willfully ignorant of this too. I think that the, we take need to take responsibility for our own actions for getting the right information understanding it, processing it, and then doing something about it. If, if, if the information shows that this virus situation has been overplayed and it, and it has, well, then it's up to us to acknowledge that and make some noise about it and make sure that it, that, that never happens again and that the people that are responsible for this are held accountable. But in, in the U.S., most of us don't really have that sort of optimism that the people behind this will be held accountable. We've seen too many examples of people getting let off with with no sort of uh, – no re- repercussions for them. No, there are never any repercussions. Uh, the, the people that were behind the assassinations of JFK and MLK and RFK, they, they walked. Who was ever orchestrating – certain elements of 9-11 to either let it happen or uh, make it happen or simply be glad it happened. No repercussions. The the 2008 economic collapse, no repercussions. Uh, zero confidence that uh, there will uh, ever be any any punishment meted out. You know, it's it's interesting, though, that, you know, we talk about the nation state and we love to complain about the government and so forth, uh, but it's at least... With the nation state, I think it's best suited to sort of safeguard individual liberties, you know, rather than some distant bureaucrat in Brussels or Geneva. Uh, but our, our, our increasing distrust and anger with the government, with bureaucracies, government institutions, the media, doesn't that also, though, play into the deep state? Because... They want us to hate the nation state. It's a good point. Yeah, they, they want us to to hate the nation state, break that up and, be, and, and join this much larger group. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I don't trust the current bureaucrats that are local or national um, to take care of us. I certainly wouldn't wouldn't trust anybody in Brussels, uh, you know, like in the EU situation. Look at that. Look at that. Look at what the EU has done. They've they've been run by Brussels and. The problems that happen in these countries, they're not taken care of because Brussels is like, well, that's, you know, we're not there and, you know, that's your problem and you figure it out and and, and you expect compassion and, and, and enthusiasm and accountability from some, you know, external uh, group like that. Good luck. You're never going to get it. The nation state, like you said, is the best way to safeguard our liberties, but – We've got to fix that too. You know, we've got to take care of the the current batch of of rulers. That's where Jeff Berwick gets into the you know no no rulers versus no rules situation. It's like the the current batch of rulers that we have are defective. Uh, we're going to need somebody in there that prioritizes us. All right, we'll take one final time out and come back and uh, finish up with Charlie Robinson right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Thank you. 
Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Charlie Robinson stays with us for a few moments yet here on The Conspiracy Show. We have to leave uh, our listeners with some, some good news and some hope, Charlie. So how do we, how do we push back? The first thing we need to do, I think, like like anybody in any sort of problem, is acknowledging that you have a problem. We need to get very honest about where we are and what our problems are. Once we do that, then we're in a position where we can start to make some changes. Now, this this controlled demolition of the American empire is going to be – it's going to have long-lasting effects. It's going to change the way – it's going to change society drastically but but that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world because when we look at the current paradigm i think we could all agree there are a lot of things that need to change it's like you know it's like a gun right as they say it's it depends whose hands it's in it's not so much that the gun is necessarily the problem it's whoever is controlling it so so where we are now it's what are we going to do uh, is it is it that government is necessarily all evil? Well, it just depends on who's in charge of it. It depends on the policies that are being made. So we have this unique opportunity when the current paradigm is changed um, to decide and steer things in, in in a different direction, someplace, someplace where you know things are fair for 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 other for for most people where we we can get away from uh, corrupt systems that have plagued us for the last 100 years we can get rid of fiat currency we can get rid of the the US dollar as the you know being produced by the federal reserve i mean the removal of of the federal reserve would be a huge step in the right direction um but there's you know we 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 have to get we have to acknowledge this. We've got some problems. We've got problems with banking. We have problems with our media. We have problems with big business and their cozy relationship with Washington, D.C. We have issues with lobbyists and, and the amount of undue influence they have. We have problems with Citizens United, which gave unlimited corporation, you know, the corporation, the, the ability to finance political campaigns with unlimited amounts of funds. I mean, we have Glass-Steagall, uh, the removal of Glass-Steagall, which allowed the big banks to become massive and, and Bill Clinton deregulating the telecommunications, which, which allowed uh, these mega mergers and, and we've gone from 50 media companies down to five. We have the opportunity to fix some of these things and uh, change this world that we're in. We can roll back some of these globalist policies that have been instituted, but we've got to we've got to start to look at, at, at who is in charge, where they want us to go, and decide: do we want to go there or not? If we don't want to go this direction, if we don't want to follow the World Economic Forum's path towards the Great Reset, and I certainly do not. Um, well, then we need to propose something different. We need to build something different and we need to put people in positions of power that agree with us on that. What we have right now is uh, it, it, our governments making policies and following this new world order, the, the new world order that they talk about openly, that, that the, the queen talks about and the pope talks about and the, all the presidents have talked about. It. It, you know, this we need to um, set our course for something much different. We need a change. There's no doubt about that, but we have to be very 
aware of who is offering us this new change? Do we trust them? Where are they taking us? If it's Klaus Schwab and, and the World Economic Forum, I'm not interested in that. I'm not, I, I understand that, that some of the things that they're talking about, you know, improvements in technology, we're going to need to embrace those. The, those are coming whether we like it or not. But it's this dystopian landscape that's on the horizon that we could very easily fall into when we look at the, the direction China's going. So we, we, we have a responsibility to ourselves to educate us on what is happening around the world, where things seem to be headed. Look, look at China, see where they're, where they're going. That's unfortunately where they want to, where the technocrats want to take us. And then we need to take some responsibility for ourselves. We need to acknowledge that we have a problem with the people that we put in positions of power we have a, a problem with the way that arrangement uh, between government and big business and um, and how dangerous that can be. And we can we but we can make different choices. We can change society. I mean, we, Jeff and I kind of describe this this controlled demolition as, you know, the the December 26, 2004, Banda Aceh, uh, Indonesia, standing on you wake up, you go down to the beach all of the water is receded. Where is everything? Oh my God, this is crazy. The water's gone. I can walk out on this beach. I can walk into where the ocean used to be. I can walk a, a quarter of a mile out there and, st- and find interesting starfish and clam- you know, and all these things. Isn't this interesting? Wow, let's take some selfies. But the people that had, that had experience, the people that had been there, that had seen these signs before, they knew what that meant. They knew that that meant that the water has receded, but it's coming back in a tidal wave, and I need to get to higher ground. So here we are, the tail end of 2020, with everything that we've been through. And boy, if, if this isn't an you know if this hasn't been the best advertisement for getting yourself ready for the future, I don't know what will. But we see the water receding, and we have decisions to make. Get to high, we're telling people get to higher ground. We're not going to be able to stop a lot of this. You're going to be, it's going to be up to you to wake up your friends and family, save them, save yourself, but position yourself in a way so that you're ready when this new, when these new changes come, uh, that when the, when the current paradigm is, is destroyed and the new one emerges, you're in a position where you can either, you can thrive in it. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. This is going to, this is a a, a tough conversation to have with the world. I take no pleasure in this. I'm an American I love America. I want it to be the best it can possibly be. But these people, these maniacs have rigged this country with detonators to take it down. And we need to acknowledge that we have been co-conspirators in this too. We've allowed this to happen by our ignorance and our, 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 our you know, belief that, 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 that nothing bad can happen because we're American. We always win. Well, you know, we're going to need to wake up to some of the, the new realities. And it's, it's tough for people to, to go, you know, to think like that. But, but we'll, let's take this opportunity to, when, when things change, to make sure that we build a, a different society that prioritizes us and prioritizes the things that we need, that, that human freedoms are super important to us. But how do we do They're that? Being I mean, taken it, away. Is, it, it doesn't seem likely that that can be achieved through the ballot box. No. Uh, and and if, if left unchecked and the demolition happens, they will own the monopoly board. They already do. How do we survive that i mean if if that's what's coming our way how do we stop them well we've got to we've got to 
we've got to get on board with uh, some alternative ways of thinking. Maybe that's uh, that Jeff is a crypto guy, so he looks at cryptocurrencies and gold and silver and things like that. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not positive exactly how everything gets fixed. You know, I, I think that we're still, these are, these are systemic problems that are going to take a long time to unwind. Um, but our acknowledgement that, 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 that it's out there and it's happening, that some of the worst people in society are driving our policies. This is the first step towards, towards fixing things is to acknowledge that we have a problem get out there and start looking for, um, you know, get back to basics for one. We've, we've, we've expanded our supply chain so much that we're dependent on other countries and other, you know, for, for our medicines and things like that. These things need to change. We can do a lot of this stuff in house. We've, we've fallen into this trap of globalization, uh, under the, you know, with the promise of, of cheap, cheap goods and services from, from foreign countries. But, um, We've got to make a priority to bring those things back, bring the in- industrial capacity back to the United States, get a get a handle on our on our currency situation, which has long been a problem. We need to seriously think about our role in the world stage with a thousand military bases around the globe, and who is that benefiting, and who is that dis- you know who is that harming? Um, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of we've got a lot of work to do. Um, but I think most people would agree that uh, now's the time to make some changes. You know? Maybe another good place to start would be to buy a copy of Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. Uh, before you can solve a problem, you have to understand the problem, and it's uh, detailed there quite nicely. Charlie, thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate it. Okay, back next week with Rex Baer of The Leaked Project. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, and what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the rooftops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home. Or at least up the stairs. Good night.